the story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. The story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. They couldn't score and fell flat. And the 40 shots on goal was 40 shots on goal was a little deceiving. Yeah. And even though they had some really good opportunities, surprisingly, they need to play with that intensity. If those last three, four minutes, the Rangers sometimes don't play at their best level against lower-tier teams. Here's Johnny! Nope, this is Ranger Proud, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, here on the Bleed Blue Show. What's going on? Ranger Proud, hey, how are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Got Glenn with us. Cool. Talk some Blue Shirts hockey. Another installment of the off-season hockey at the start of August. The first, 2023. How you doing, sir? Very good. Very good. Enjoying this nice weather. All right. All right. Let's bring on Glenn. Get his get, get him on the, on the platform. And also, um, we'll get into some Blue Shirts talk and a little bit of NHL towards the end. What's going on, Glenn? How you doing, man? Hey, not too bad. Enjoying the summer. Uh, kind of have my uh, attention diverted between uh, uh, seeing what's going on with hockey and uh, baseball and football training camp and a lot going on uh, right now. Not not too many games, but a lot going on. So uh, I'm kind of enjoying my summer so far. All right, cool, cool. Now, RP, we could uh, let's jump right into the Blue's thoughts. As a matter of fact, we're going to go off of your Ranger Proud page on various Uh-oh. topics today, man. So, you know, uh, definitely talk, saw the uh, notifications and, and the stories uh, from the Ranger Proud Facebook page. Uh, you know, that's a nice plug, right? So nice talk about all the you know, free agent signings, uh, if you want to talk about that, um, what you thought about the Ottman story, um, anything with the ECHL Cincinnati Cyclones. Uh, I mean, if you want to go ahead and lead that way on, on, the, on the information on your page, and then we could go to uh, – uh, go to Glenn and get his thoughts. Yeah, you know, um, I tell you that I, I, I'm i really looking forward to Osman. Uh, you know, we've been writing about him. We've been hearing about him and, and what he brings. And I, I think it's going to be a, a special training camp. Um, yes, the odds are stacked against him. But from everything that I've read and, and, and seen on videos and clips, if anyone can steal a spot for the opening day roster, it just might be this kid – he just may be the reason why people watch preseason hockey, like with, with some sort of intensity and, and with some sort of passion. Because I would really like Austin to make Chris Drury have to make that tough decision that we keep reading about. Because I think I, I think he's he's going to be one hell of a player once he gets his feet wet. He's a really smart kid. Um, he's one of those hockey players, guys. That if you tell him it's better for the team for you to, you know, take a year down in the AHL and learn. He's going to, he's not going to get pissed about it. He's going to excel at it. He's going to kick it, knock it out of the ballpark in that following year or that next call up. He's going to show you that he did what was asked of him and and 10 times more. So I I think he's going to be, I I can't wait for training camp and, and all these things to start just to see him now a year later. I mean, I saw him last year at the, uh, at the rookie game in, in Philadelphia. And now to see him after everything that he's accomplished and achieved, and he's still 50 pages of a book. You know what I mean? It, it's going to be pretty exciting. Well, what do you think there, Scott? 
Oh, that was Gwen. Gwen, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Governor yeah, in the Caribbean. As soon as I said it, I said he's in, he's in Aruba. He's diving. Sorry about that, Gwen. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I always watch preseason games not to see – you know, the guys that we know that are going to be in the lineup. But, you know, to see some of these kids that we've heard of and, uh, you know, see how they adjust to the speed and the, and the pace of the game and the, the physicality. Um, and uh, even if they don't make the team out of training camp, uh, you know, you, you get a feel for what they are if they happen to get called up in January or February, uh, either because of merit or uh, because of a injury situation. So, um, obviously, uh, for me, the, the spotlight is going to be on uh, Othman, um to uh, you know to see if uh, see if he can make them have to make a decision about him coming out of training camp. Um, I agree with RP. He, you know, despite the the reviews and uh, you know we've all seen the numbers that he's compiled, um, he doesn't seem to have that entitled attitude where. You know, he's expecting to uh, uh, just make the team and come in and make a difference. Um, you know, I agree with RP that, uh, you know, if they tell him they want to have him uh, go down to the minors for a couple of months or even the whole season, that he'd be okay with that. He would just take that as an opportunity to dominate and, uh, you know, uh, make them make a decision on him sooner rather than later. So, um, as far as you know, preseason goes. That, that's that's what I really look for. Um, I'm also going to be interested in preseason games to see Zach Jones again, because uh, uh, with the acquisition of Gustafson, uh, I think that spot is going to be open. So I'm interested to see what uh, Zach Jones can do in the preseason games as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, great points. Uh, the scoring chair that Ottman has put in in the uh, OHL. Uh, the spark, uh, what he has done on the other circuit, get, has great, you know, rightfully so, a lot of attention on the ability to make that lineup or cracking somewhere in that that, that last line or the bottom six. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with RP and you, Glenn. You know, it, it should make for interest and for competition. The Rangers and the fans want to see competition, of course, and that's something to look forward to in preseason hockey. And that's also the other point on RP's page with the free agency sightings with uh, Gustafson, uh, Nick Benino, and um, uh, oh, Blake Wheeler from the, um, from the Winnipeg Jets. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Glenn, as far as Zach Jones, it's the same situation where the open spot for a defensive pairing. And we see where that goes, where how far each of those guys are going to be able uh, to compete with each other. But, yeah, RP, I, I'm with you as far as – pretty much with a lot of Ranger fans as far as and, – and that's something Scott said two weeks ago on the video episode, um, the ability to, to make the lineup or make the team. Um, he, he's a spark, and the Rangers definitely need definitely could use that type of level of spark, especially uh, in the bottom six as well. So, yeah, um, I think we're all in agreement, and we'll have to see how that's going to go when preseason comes around. Yeah, I, I think the uh, – I agree with all of that. I think the next topic should be the elephant in the room. Uh-oh. I don't have the slightest idea why Alexis Lafreniere hasn't been signed yet. Restricted free well, agent. Rangers, Rangers have more or less the power, they, the leverage, I should say. They also only have, as per Cap Friendly has tonight, 
2.2 million. So the ranger's hands are kind of tied. I'm starting to wonder, is it a a length of contract? Maybe Lafreniere doesn't want to do what Andre Miller did. You know, Miller signed a two-year contract, but he will be a restricted free agent again when that contract expires. Maybe since Lafreniere has to take a little bit less money than he wants, which I don't think $2.2 million for what he's done is, is overpriced by any stretch, but I'm thinking maybe they're having trouble with terms on length of contract. Um, I did speak with one of the Ranger beat writers. I didn't want to say who it was because it was kind of just a casual conversation. But in layman terms, he was like, I have no idea what's going on with them either. I was like, wow, that's, you know, there's just nothing. There's There's no talk there's no conversation it's been one of the quietest off seasons that i can quite remember i mean there was nothing going on for the last like two three weeks and then after those initial contract signings or i should say free agent signings when the rangers signed 10 guys the day they signed you know blake wheeler and all the first day of free agents being okay andre miller and and some things here and there, but it's been a, a very unusual one. And he is the only situation that's still outstanding before training camp starts in about a month. So I, I haven't heard of, I haven't even seen a rumor about it other than uh, an article I wrote a couple of weeks ago for Empire Sports where Lafreniere said he's not worried about rumors, which was as deep into the entire process that he would go. So I I don't know. What do you guys think is going on? Is it just a, no one's rushing into it, or is it a a, a year problem, or, or what could it be? All right, that's easy to answer. But go ahead, Glenn. I'll let you get a crack at that, and I'll tell you my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I was wondering what's uh, what's the holdup with that as well. I mean, we're, you know, a, a month into uh, free agency, and, uh, you know, m- most of the free agents out there of any note have signed. Uh, but as far as uh, Lafreniere goes, I mean, you know, we, we know how much money the Rangers have to pay him. Um, and uh, like you said, RP, I don't think, uh, you know, he should expect much more than, you know, a $2 million, maybe two-year deal uh, for what he's accomplished so far. Uh, so I don't really know what the holdup is on his end. In fact, uh, about a week ago, uh, when nothing was going on, I kind of looked – uh, at what the uh, what the rules are as far as uh, uh, you know another team signing him uh, uh, to a to an offer and I mean I can't see with what teams would have to pay uh, even on a uh, you know on a three or a four year uh, four million dollar contract for him if they wanted to give him that much teams giving up what they would have to give up in terms of uh, uh, draft picks to do that so. From his standpoint, I'm not sure what he's expecting to to happen. Uh, if he did get an offer sheet, I don't think it would be for much more than what the Rangers are are offering now. And and if it is, I would think that other team would be a little, you know, taking a risk to do that. So, um, I mean, I think to me everything seems pretty straightforward. This is what the Rangers have. Uh, he's probably not going to get an offer sheet. So I don't know what he's waiting for. Um, and, uh, you know, with the cap expected to go up in a year or two, you know, a lot of these players, uh, Andre being one, I mean, we saw Tarasenko sign a, a one-year $5 million deal with Ottawa. A lot of guys are signing one-year deals um, just to, uh, 
you know, kind of get through the last year of, of the cap crunch and, and then go and be a free agent again, uh, uh, you know, next year, next season when there's, you know, supposed to be an extra three or $4 million available to teams. So um, I'm waiting to hear if you know what it is, Steve, because uh, oh, no. you ain't I, gonna get it from me. I don't know what the holdup is. Uh, no, no, you're not going to get it from me, man. You're going to have to get it from Ranger Proud. Oh, okay. He's all in those talks. I just, <laughs> yeah, I don't got no clue what's going on in that front office, man. What we can do as fans is piece it together for what it is. And then exactly what you said, Glenn, it's all about knowing the value. And that's any contract. So why would the Rangers be in a rush? Why, why would they? They don't have, they, they have all the leverage. Uh, Lafreniere, um, like he's probably somewhere between two and three, right, annually. And what we know, and this is what Scott has said for the last month, when you look at him on the ice, you can just tell if he's going to go to that next level. And from what we've seen, although he's been a nice player wherever you place him, right wing, left wing, uh, third line, second line, or even the first line, uh, he hasn't had that overall number one overall pick explosion like you would like to see in a young player. And I know the cliche thing is to say you got time, you got time, but I think we can't like Glenn, like like not Glenn. What Scott has kind of said is like that's really the elephant in the room. It's not even his contract. It's more about man, you know. Even the Rangers lucked up in back-to-back drafts with high draft picks. It feels like we don't have that Sidney Crosby. We don't have that level of Connor McDavid type of talent or uh, or Alex Ovechkin uh, elite franchise uh, game-changing player, you know, Hall of Fame-type level. Not yet, but you could tell for the most part within the early few seasons in somebody's career, uh, they usually could show a lot of those glimpses in in Lafayette, who's kind of just been thrown wherever they told him to play. We need you to pair up in the second uh, line with at right wing or the third line uh, at left wing. He's been bouncing back and forth. We talked about that on and off every week in the, um, during the regular season since the time he's been here. So he's been a good soldier on that aspect, but it hasn't what, what, you know, the system, uh, whether it was Gallant, uh, it just has not quite translated to what, a sports fan or even a hockey fan or the Rangers fan, however you want to look at it, from num- a, no- a number one overall pick uh, to be on that level of, uh, you know, like, like I said, the aforementioned, like Sidney Crosby, Alice Oveskin, Conor McDavid, that level of extreme talent. So the Rangers have all the leverage. He's somewhere in that two to three million range, and they have no rush to sign him. It's that simple. Uh, I, I agree with that. But, I, the, I also... but why not just get it done? I mean, well, you know, I mean, I, it, it, the Rangers don't have to rush. That's true. Um, but why not just get it done? I mean, that kind of tells me it's maybe more him than than the team. Um, and I don't know what he's expecting, but uh, his options are limited. So, I mean, why I... not just get it done and get it over with so we're not talking about it? That, I don't know. Um I don't know. I can't answer that. <laughs> but what I do know is I believe the team has more of the leverage. That's why whether they get it done or not, they're not in a rush. Um, they have all the cards, and he's got to kind of, like, be down for what they're offering. And if he doesn't, well, where are you going to go? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, leverage is definitely the game. But, you know, it's all I, about I, I agree. <laughs> I, I think, I, I think if, if you – Based on their 
cap situation. I mean, a two-year deal, well, he would also be a restricted free agent again. I don't think he can get through this contract and be a UFA. So I don't know really what he's looking for. And the Rangers can't go much higher than what they have right now, especially with their cap situation in, in, in total fiasco mode with the numbers all over the place. But the so, other thing, know, RP, let me say real quick. I, mean, I don't think the Rangers – I don't think they want to get rid of him. I think they do want to sign him. That yeah. would be their worst fear is the worst situation from the Rangers team perspective if they kind of treated it like Pavel Buchnevich traded him during the season and all of a sudden he gets the 20 goals. Next season after that he gets the 28 and up to 38. That would, That's the worst thing – the Rangers would do is going to really set the fan base back. So let them take their time or the fans are probably going to take their time because they, they don't, they want to make sure that they're going to get that signing done and try to retain as much value at that draft pick number one overall as possible. Cause can you imagine if that would happen RP, if whatever, if they felt like he wanted a contract or a long-term extension and, and they could have come to an agreement and they, he goes somewhere to another team and he starts, uh, points wise, over, especially goals, just goes up, up exponentially up year after year, and we're kicking ourselves. Yeah, but that wouldn't be the so. <laughs> Let's be realistic about it. But, you know, like you said with Buchnevich, they, you know, he was an original Ranger. They brought him in. Mm-hmm. He had one of his, what, it was a career year the year before, and then salary cap implications, and they couldn't give him what they knew he would want, and they had to trade him. It, it's part of the game. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Lafreniere. I'm just finding it, if if Drury came out and said, we are not shopping him, we are not looking for him, and here we are August 1st, and he's not signed, the team only has the amount of money that they can sign him for because the cap is so damn tight. I got to think Lafreniere is holding out on years. I, I can't see what else it would be. I would really think that Drury would like to get this sign done and then have the next three weeks to do nothing before, you know, rookie camp starts and then the players come in and then the whole, you know, it's, you know, put the pedal down and let's go kind of deal. So it, it is interesting, you know, across Twitter fans have been saying the same thing. Well, what's going on with Lafreniere? But other than that, there's been nothing. There haven't been any stories that I've read. There hasn't been really any comment on it. So I guess both sides are, I mean, Lafreniere knows he can't go anywhere unless he's traded. He has no leverage at all. And the Rangers are probably like, we're going to get it done before training camp, and we're just kicking back, I guess. I don't know. But it's, it's Can I a, ask you about this? A, a weird thing. Go ahead. So, remember, we were talk, remember, I think we were on draft night when we drafted them, right? Or like the day around, day before or after. Do you think the Rangers ever come to this day when they had the number one pick and we drafted them? He was in the living room with his family. That we were actually going to have these, like a situation like this? It's almost like we're having the same conversation with, with the running back in our city. With you know, it's almost the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, well, you know, now see, I, I think, I think the difference with 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 Barkley is because it's it's so different because when the Giants went into the last off season and they had Jones and they had Barkley, they knew they were going to sign Jones and tag Barkley. I think they try to offer him a, a, a reasonable contract, but they had the leverage because they could put the tag on him. Well, and they did. You're right. You're right. You know what I'm yeah, saying? But if you, think right. about, if, if you look, if you look at 
it now after Barkley signed, he should have taken if he was going to sign on the tag and not hold out, which was the smart move, then he should have taken that contract they offered him earlier because he left a lot of money yep. on the table. Yep. So I think I think at the end of the day, Barkley lost money on that deal. I think he was smart not to hold out because he knew he couldn't do it. Labani uh, and Bell did to sit out a whole year and then try to come back from mm-hmm. not from an injury but from a lockout, and it was a total failure. So Barkley wasn't going to do that, but knowing he wasn't going to do that, he probably should have taken the other contract and then figured it out later on. With Lafreniere, Lafreniere isn't the leader in the locker room that a Barkley is. Barkley's played more years and he's proven when he's not injured that he is an all-around player. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. He's a leader in the locker room with the younger guys. He's someone Jones looks up to as like that right-hand man. So I think there's vast differences. On the flip side, Lafreniere had a career year last year. I, I think he improved in his game. I think he'll play better on the lot. I think that's going to take the leash off a little bit more. Uh, I, I think these guys on the ranges need to have a doesn't force a player to look over his shoulder every time he makes a mistake. You yeah, know, we've the seen only that thing with Quinn. Go ahead. Yeah the, yeah, the only thing I was saying about the comparison was pretty much the, the high draft pick part. Everything else you're actually oh, talking about. I was, okay. I was just talking about oh, high no, draft like, picks. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You want to know something? Yeah, high draft pick was that, you know, high draft picks and they want to get all they can get. But with hockey, yeah, your contracts are kind of tied because of the cap and all. Right, but then right, again, right. our money but then again, our money's all guaranteed in theirs, isn't it? So mm. each each board has its pros and cons, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a it's a weird thing, but at the end of the day, they're in one of the toughest markets to play. And Barkley's proven that he can do it, and I think Lafreniere has proven that he can do it. I don't, you know, I, he never seems to be that guy that like shies away if there's a problem. If the media goes up to him, to talk to him, he talks to them and all. And that's that's a tough thing to do in in this city. So I think they're gonna. On it, I just thought it would have been done a little bit earlier. You know, to me, and and look, I'm not in the room. None of us are in the room. To right. me, well, we only have two million dollars, right? We can only give you two million dollars for a year or two years or whatever it may be, because that's where the cap's at. So I don't think it's a dollar thing. I really don't. So we're going to find out soon enough. What? It, well, we won't find out why it took so long, but I would think in the next couple of weeks that that'll be a done deal. Yeah, Glenn, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, you, you know, I really give a lot of credit to guys who take a one- or a two-year contract, a uh, particular one-year contract, uh, in a situation where a team doesn't have the money uh, or, or there's a cap situation, and bet on themselves and, and take that chance that I'll show you that next year you're going to have to pay me. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as Lafreniere goes, I mean, you know, he's a young kid. Why wouldn't he want to do that? I mean, circumstances change uh, on a team from year to year. And uh, although he didn't step into a situation like most uh, first picks do on a on a team that puts him right on the first line and puts him on a power play because they're not a really good team, um, you know, he wound up coming to a team that was stacked and didn't get that opportunity to, to pump up his numbers. So, you know, if there's only – you know, we're talking about AV, AAV here, right? So um, they can't sign him to a contract where he makes $2 million this year and $2 million next year and $5 million the year after that. It comes down to AAV. So, um, I mean, if he's looking for a three- or four-year contract, all the Rangers are going to be able to do is offer him the $2.2 million, you know, or so that they've got. 
So, um, you know, I mean, it would seem to me that, you know, you would want to take in, in this environment, in this cap environment, you would want to take a short-term contract, bet on yourself, and then expect that you're going to succeed and command more money a year or two down the road. So, I mean, I think if it's a uh, – and I'm not saying this thing for him. Maybe it is. But he's going to lock him into a lower with himself into a lower salary for, you know, three or four years. And I don't know why he would do that. Right, right. Um, anything else on Lafayette? I actually have some additional questions from Glenn uh, RP that we – me, you, and Scott got to uh, two weeks ago. But uh, anything else on life in your uh, RP? Fire. Actually, I have some questions for Glenn on the free agents we got. No, we beat this thing to a dead horse. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Glenn, uh, yeah, Glenn I mean, we talked about it. Um, you know, Blake Wheeler, uh, a long time, uh, you know, a couple of years with the Bruins and Thrashers and the Jets. Uh, what are your thoughts on the signings? And also, like you were saying, you want to double down on the Gustafsson signing, uh, Nick Benino. Uh, anything else, uh, the additions to this team? Yeah, I mean, I'll, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't make the last podcast, but I, I was eager to, to talk about the acquisitions. Uh, as far as uh, Blake Wheeler, I think that's a great acquisition. Um, you know, he's a middle six uh, guy. Uh, he had 55 points last year. Uh, he got his money from Winnipeg with the buyout, so he's on a, a – a veteran minimum salary. Uh, so I think that's a great pickup in terms of uh, what they'll be asking him to do. Uh, even with his age, uh, I think he's still got some gas in the tank. At 55 points last year, uh, he was a captain for, for a long time in Winnipeg. Um, so to me, I, I, I was actually shocked that they were able to get him for, for that amount of money. And obviously, you know, he had to pick up wherever he wanted to go and he wanted to come here. So um, I think he's going to really be a big help. Um, Benino has always been a pain in the ass to me. When he was in Nashville, when he was in Pittsburgh, um, you know, he's always in front of the net. He's good on faceoffs. He kills penalties. He's a good defensive forward. Uh, that's another pickup on the fringe, you know, for a, probably on the fourth line that, that I think was – a really good pickup as well. Uh, I think he's going to be a, both of them are going to be guys that fit well into uh, lobby left system. Um, uh, Gustafson, I thought was an interesting pickup too. I mean, he's a guy that, uh, you know, obviously uh, lobby left had in Washington. Uh, he's a guy that can, uh, has got some offensive skills. Uh, he's a little short on defense, but you know, if he winds up on that third pair with uh, Schneider, who, uh, you know, I think is improving defensively. Uh, I think they could be good, and, and he can also be a guy that can maybe, uh, you know, replace Truba on the uh, second power play unit because he has, um, you know, uh, a lot of power play experience, and he, he's used to, to leading a power play. So those are the three pickups that I was really impressed with. I mean, the other guys, you know, Pitlick, yeah, maybe he can be helpful. Uh, Jonathan Quick, you know, he's a veteran. A lot of experience, did not have a very good year last year, but he was also uh, injured. His statistics last year were, were pretty bad. Um, but a couple of years before that, they weren't too bad. Um, you know, and obviously wound up uh, picking up his third Stanley Cup ring uh, in Vegas, even though we didn't really uh, play uh, much at all. Um, so I think for the most part, I was, I was really kind of happily surprised with what the Rangers were able to do with the uh, lack of uh, – uh, cap space that they had. So, 
Um, to me, I'm pretty happy. I'm, I think they did well uh, across the board on the free agents they were able to pick up. I didn't think they were going to be able to do much of anything, to be honest. Yeah, they did a lot with nothing, right, RP? Um, I mean, they, they, based on the situation, they got as much as they could uh, with the quality they did get back. Uh, we we kind of said that a couple of weeks ago, uh, pretty much when Tereshenko went to Ottawa. You know, pick up a Blake Wheeler, right? Yeah, no, I think the Blake Wheeler signing was a is a great signing. He's a former captain. He played with Truber in Winnipeg. I mean, he was in in top five in scoring on on on, on not a great Winnipeg Jack team, but nonetheless, he he was tied for fourth in goals, third in assists, and fifth in points. He had a a solid year for a thirty six year old. I think coming here, you know, it could be a spark that the team is looking for. Definitely going to be in the top six. However, they shake the lines out. Uh, the the Gustafson signing is interesting because I think that signing, not not to have as the seventh defenseman, but I think he's here to put all the pressure on he can on Zach Jones. I mm-hmm. think this is a make. I think this is a make or break season for Zach Jones. Um, I, I like Zach Jones. I like the way he plays. Every time he gets an opportunity, he seems to take a step backwards when he comes up here. So. We'll we'll see what happens if it's going to be Gustafson as the six and Zones as the seven, or vice versa. I mean, you you need seven defensemen with injuries, and you you need a player to know that if you don't play well, there's someone on the outside waiting to to jump into your spot as quick as possible, and then you have to earn your spot back. I think competition is good for all positions, so uh, I don't see a, a, a problem with that. You know, and like for last week. What was the most expensive contract out of the ten signings? I think it was eight twenty-five, eight seventy-five, something like that. I mean, uh, Drury really did a great job with getting guys in under a certain salary, but all that can contribute in one way or another, whether it's a fourth line or third defensive pairing or Blake Wheeler for that matter. So, um, I think Quick will definitely help Chesterkin out a little bit. I think he's accepted the backup role. He did it. When he came from the Kings, well, he had. But I think he'll be fine here in New York. He's from the East Coast. His family's from Connecticut. So he gets to play in front of so-called his home family and all, which is another inspiration as his career winds down here. Um, I think he's the kind of backup goalie that knows when he comes in how important those two points are. Um, Like Halak last year, though, Halak had a very, very miserable start where he didn't get his first win to sometime mid-December. Uh, let's just hope that quick gets a much better start and gets those wins so that when you're not playing Chester, it's not like, uh-oh, you know, are we putting two points in jeopardy? But I, I don't think quick is going to have that situation. So they're in a good spot. I, I don't know, guys, you know, as we're talking about signings and, and looking ahead, of all the teams in a Metro, I don't know how much on Baker anyway from last year, which is a little concerning to me. This is a team that struggled a great deal last year, especially early on. All those peaks and valleys, they weren't nearly as consistent as they were in Gallant's first year. So that's something I'm, I'm going to keep my eye on as early on, especially early on in the season, to see how Laviolette how gets these guys motivated and amped up because, again, they're, they're in probably the toughest division in hockey. So every game, they're all no lay down games, you know, Steve, there are no games that are all right, you know, you know, uh, we could take it, we could take it easy here. Those, those games in October and November are so important 
at the end of the season, and we lost a lot of those early games last year, and that cost mm-hmm. us home life in the first round, uh, amongst other things. So I'm I'm a believer theory of well, if you lose in October, it's all right because you can't win the Stanley Cup. But damn it, you can lose home ice advantage, which sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes can be a key to, to getting getting a team knocked out a little bit sooner, moving on. So I, I don't like to see wasted opportunities. Um, I get what you're saying, and I don't disagree from the old school perspective, but I'm looking at something. I'm about to bring this up maybe in two weeks. Um, I'm looking at an interesting data chart of all the teams in the NHL. I'm going to do the visual thing. I'm going to give you a little highlight of what I've seen data-wise from the Rangers from this past season. Clearly, Boston was ahead of the pack with their historic season uh-huh. by far and away on the data chart that I'm looking at. Based off mm-hmm. uh, puck possession, is based off uh, unblocked shots, and quality of shots, even strength uh, scoring, uh, the measurement of your shooting percentage of a team, and then everything's color-coded based on league average and where they're above. I'm looking at this, and the crazy thing about this, and we know how this, how all the games went, the Rangers were pretty much one of the better teams data-wise of the regular season this past year. They were in the mix with the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights, the Toronto uh, uh, Maple Leafs, the Stars, the uh, Seattle Kraken, uh, Tampa Bay, Colorado, and right underneath you see Jersey and Florida, right neck and neck, data wise, based off the, the data. I'm gonna bring this up next week because I mean, in two weeks, because I think this is crazy how you could look at things from an old school perspective, like you're saying, RP, and then when you look at it data wise on what because I was thinking to myself for this episode, right, RP and Glenn, I was looking at it like I'm really big on puck possession. I was like, I really want to know data wise how we really did in this past season. And and maybe we're too hard on our own team. And it may seem like we have I mean it does. I mean we turn over the puck and we have some careless turnovers and stuff like that. But I did not really realize that we were above in the top it looks like the top ten percent definitely like the top five percentile in the league in puck position. Like this this is crazy. So I'm gonna really deep dive into this. Boston was far and away Way better than ahead of the pack. They're not even. They're on the other side of the the whole the chart, <laughs> and everybody else is bunched together. Dallas, Toronto, Vegas, Seattle, Colorado. I'm about to bring this up uh, in two weeks so you guys can see what I'm talking about, uh, uh, Glenn. Um, your thoughts what, uh, what RP was saying as far as next season. Uh, I haven't really thought about everybody else's roster like that. I'll bring that more to the table in two weeks because I was really focused on this data and also the topics on Ranger Prowl's uh, page, you know, all the topics. We'll get to the other stuff too, RP, uh, from Ranger Prowl Facebook page. This is crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was never a big Laviolette fan. He's had some, you know, some good success. Obviously won the Cup in Carolina, uh, turned around an Islander team in his first job. Um, did a good job in Nashville as well. Um, but I was never a big fan of his and I've been reading more and more about him. And, uh, it seems that both he and, and we talked a few weeks ago about the assistance that he's brought in, uh, are very committed to, uh, a structure, uh, a type of play. And, um, that encourages me because I kind of felt that for all their success, uh, Gallant uh, was kind of like, okay, guys, uh, go out there and play hard, and uh, you know, I'll switch lines around, and you know, but that that, that there was never 
I don't know that I ever identified uh, what the Rangers' identity was. Um, now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you guys think differently. But um, I think what we're going to see is uh, a more structured team, uh, a team where everybody knows where they should be. Um, you know, hopefully the, the, the defensive breakouts will be a lot better. Um, and, you know, I've kind of come around on him where, uh, you know, maybe he's going to be good for this team. Maybe he was the right guy for this team at this time, uh, considering all the other guys that were out there. So um, I think what disappointed me most last year was after the playoffs in uh, 2022, you kind of thought that, you know, this team was ready to take the next step, that they, uh, you know, were uh, disappointed enough by uh, how it all broke down against Tampa in the conference finals and that there was really going to be an urgency, uh, you know, and a lot of them even said it. There was going to be an urgency right from opening night. Um, And I just thought there were too many nights where collectively they just didn't show up. And they never really were able to gain a lot of momentum. And I never saw that commitment right from opening night uh, that I was expecting. And, you know, we know that once you get to the end of the season, like RP says, and we always say too, those points matter. Uh, You know, a lot of times two points is the difference between making the playoffs or not making the playoffs or having home ice advantage or not or, or, or getting a better matchup in the playoffs. Um, and too many times they gave points away. Um, and I think that in the uh, Eastern Conference, uh, we're going to start seeing a little bit of a changing of the guard. Um, the Bruins last year had a magical year. They had a, a you know, a once-in-a-generation type of year. But now Bergeron has retired. Uh, there's thoughts that Krejci is going to uh, retire. Um, Lena's own mark in Buffalo, I always thought was a, a good goalie on a bad team, but I never thought he was a uh, Vezina worthy goalie. Uh, so I have my doubts that he's going to be able to replicate what he did last year. Uh, so I think Boston is not, you know, obviously the, that's not uh, something that you can repeat anyway, but I don't think Boston is going to be as good. Um, in the Metro, I think you're seeing a downturn for Pittsburgh and Washington and those types of teams. Uh, and I think you're going to see Ottawa and Detroit um, and a couple Buffalo uh, be better than they've been. So, um, you know, I, I, I think the, the, the conference is going to be just as tough to make the playoffs, uh, but it might be different teams that you're vying against. So, I mean, I really expect this team under Laviolette to, to come out uh, you know, and like he said, from the start of the season, uh, you're uh, looking at the Stanley Cup. You're looking at the playoffs. And so I'm hoping that, uh, you know, between the improvement of some of the young guys, some of the additions that they've made, um, I'm really expecting them, again, to come out of the gate hard. Uh, and I think they're going to, you know, I'm encouraged. I think they're going to have a really good season, but there's going to be a lot of competition in the conference to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah, what else? Oh. Um, RP and Glenn, uh, maybe Glenn not, uh, probably didn't see it yet, but RP, I sent you both guys what I was looking at with the data chart. Maybe we could discuss it if you want to. But, yeah, uh, Glenn, I mean, I, you know what? I can't even predict this shit with the NHL. You have – year to year, we have no idea um, who's going to just come out the gate. 
Uh, it's just so unpredictable. This one is the most unpredictable as far as regular season jumpstart. Because if you get off to a good five, six games, you're off to the races for the most part. And some teams just get on a nice stride and build a lot of confidence, and they ride the wave. Like, nobody saw what Jersey was going to do last year. They had, like, what, the third biggest turnaround in points in regular season history? It was, it was high. Yep. 45, 46 points, something ridiculous. Nobody saw that coming. Um, I, it could be a team like Buffalo or even Ottawa. You know, like, it, you look at these rosters, guys adding players, you, you never know who – like, a team like Ottawa would, make, would be – would not surprise me if they were on, a, on the door knocking into the playoffs with the pickups that they had, you know? Right. Like, I, I agree. I got I to I look into this more to see exactly where everybody stands. And there's no way, of course, there's no way Boston could duplicate that. No way. Especially, like you said, uh, Glenn, with the uh, retirements and stuff. And it, 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 that, that had to deflate that that particular team. Like, there's no way. You know, like, mentally, I mean, yeah, I, mentally they got to be going through it to a degree to still. They probably, some of them are probably over it. But that was I wouldn't go I'm not gonna say it was embarrassing, but that's gotta be deflating. Like who who mm-hmm. would it be? Who would it be? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But yeah, we'll move on to the next season. I mean the Rangers have had you know, we've experienced those those devastating losses. Not I don't know, not, not to the level of what the Bruins had. I mean, they were it was a perfect storm to beat the Bruins and it just of all the teams to, to play in the first round. I'm sure they were dreading it was the Florida Panthers who had beaten them twice in the regular season as it was. So, you know, that's what makes playoff hockey so great. Once you get into the show, once you're in that 16-team showcase, anybody can take it. Hot goalie. I mean, look how hot Florida got. Yeah, they didn't win the cup, but look at the run they had. All the overtime games. You know, they they had a lot of things going, and they had some massive injuries to endure in, in the playoffs in the Stanley Cup Finals. I should say, and and they still put on some show. So, you, you know, that's why I say sometimes I'm just not as worried about the regular season. I, I want to see uh, – I like what Laviolette said in his press conference. The regular season is a preparation for those finals, those, those Stanley Cup mm-hmm. playoffs in the finals. And he wants to see the team doing all the right things every game in the regular season. This way, when the playoffs come, there are no surprises. Because a lot of players don't realize that the jump in in overall play once once game number one starts. So I mean, you, you just gotta you know put your head down and just first make the playoffs obviously, and then get hot. You know this is we're looking. We're, I'm sure I can speak for you guys. We're looking for Chesterkin to find that that greatest hockey of his life. And before then, I can handle the ups and the downs as long as they stay in playoff contention. So, it, you know, it, it's what every team going into training camp, you know, they're all even. And, and like you said, Steve, Ottawa. Ottawa improved so much, you got to be worried about them. They On paper right now, that that's one solid hockey team. And they've come years of being a crappy hockey team. So it, it'll be interesting what Tarasenko can do over there for a whole season amongst the other guys that they signed. Right, right. Uh, uh, Glenn, uh, anything else you'd like to add? I know, Arthur, you got to go soon. But uh, I was looking at, uh, thinking about us around the league. I, I was, I'll hold off on, that, on those thoughts. We get to a little later person around the NHL. I can see a team like Detroit, Ottawa. Um, oh, yeah, I wanted to spend on a little bit about Florida, the Panthers. They kind of needed that, honestly. 
even though it was surprising, even probably to even for them, the way they had the mm-hmm. president's trophy got past Washington last year and then lost to their interstate uh, rivals. I guess you could call it rivalry, right? Tampa Bay Lightning. They lost in that round. It was a total letdown, especially how things went when when Quinville, Quinville was there and he left because of the scandal with the Blackhawks. And then they they I mean they scored a lot of points. They just had the reputation of not playing defense, where it kind of that reputation they carried from the previous season flip flop. I remember we used to play them. We played them in games. We would just scissor through those their defense. It was their defense was mm-hmm. cupcake. I don't know how or and when it turned on. Uh, a couple of acquisitions, and they played very tough physical hockey. I mean, they beat the best yeah. of the best in the East. They beat Boston, obviously the best, right? They beat Toronto handily, and then they handled the the, the Carolina Hurricanes. It, I mean, that's a great stretch, especially making up for how they went out the prior year with the President's Trophy. Uh, Glenn, anything else like that? Or? Yeah, well, the, you know, as far as Florida goes, I mean, yeah, they really showed a lot. And, uh, you know, obviously winning the President's Trophy the year before shows that they're a good team. But um, I think that uh, as far as Bob goes, uh, his on-again, off-again years, I think this coming up is going to be an off year. So uh, we'll see what happens with them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the three things, the three teams in the uh, conference to uh, look at are uh, – uh, Detroit, Buffalo, and Ottawa. And, and you know, I, I famously went out on a limb last September and said that Ottawa was going to make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, they got off to a tough start and, you know, did kind of make a run at it at the end and get close. But, uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Norris is a real good player. I think Tim Stutzla is, is one of the best players in the league that, that people don't know about. Uh, Brady Kachuk just gets better every year. I think their goaltending is strong. Um, and I think Ottawa is a team that's really going to make some noise this year uh, as well, um, you know, especially with uh, some of the other teams that are, you know, we feel might be coming down a notch uh, in, in the conference. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be an interesting year as far as that goes. One thing I want to ask you guys about before RP goes, um, you know, I know the Rangers signed a lot of guys, uh, I don't know, 10, 11 signings, whatever, for, you know, $875 million. And um, I was kind of disappointed when I saw the Tarasenko sign for only $5 million in Ottawa. Um, I think he was trying to get more. But, you know, I, I wonder if maybe, you know, five or six of those $875,000 contracts uh, that we handed out maybe didn't have to be, and they could have re-signed uh, Tarasenko to fill one of the top two right-wing spots. What do you guys think about that? I, I don't think Tarasenko was going to – I don't want to say I don't think he was going to stay here, but I think when once off season started and he knew before the Rangers signed all those little contracts and all that, that it was going to be a tough signing to stay in New York because yeah. I guess the way Drury looked at it was, okay, so I'm going to sign one guy for $5 million, $5.5 million, let's say, and then I'm not going to have anything depth-wise because if he signs him – then most of those 10 signings aren't going to happen. Is one player... Yeah, no, I... Was, was one I player that, enough? But I think that, that's what I think. And, and, and you know the other thing, Glenn? We don't know what numbers are being talked about. Because like you said, Tarasenko might have been in the same range. And I know something happened with Carolina, and then he fired his agent. And then yeah. it was like another two weeks before he signed again. It was like he had to start totally over. And no one really knows what happened in that, because 
Word was he was yeah. playing with Carolina one night, and the next morning he fired everybody. So either they were they were doing a deal that he was totally uncomfortable with or didn't have confidence in. It was a very odd yeah. situation. It's like in the middle of free yeah, agency, think, I'm firing my my agent. It, I think it was, it was maybe weird. a timing issue too, because I think he yeah. he was looking for more around July first, and Drury kind of figured we're not going to be able to do this. So he yeah. went and signed uh, a you know a bunch of like you say support guys for those lower contracts and kind of ate up whatever money there could have been. And then there was a the whole Tarasenko thing with Carolina, like you said, firing the agent. And maybe by the time he came around and realized that that's what he was going to get, $5 million, uh, that the Rangers had already spent that money. So I'm not, I'm not blaming Drury, but I'm just wondering if, uh, if there was, you know, better communication or something that they might've been, because I'm wondering who's going to be uh, uh, the top two right wings. I mean, I know Kako is going to be one of them. Um, I don't know if Wheeler is going to be in the, in the top uh, six. Wheeler is going to be in the top six. I can't see him being on the third line. I mean, it could, but I don't. I personally think he'll be in the top six. And I think the other thing we got to remember: the Rangers also had to sign K. Andre Miller and still assign right. Lafreniere. So now, if you give right. him all that money now, with their cap being as poor as it is, now what do you do? So mm, I think yeah. in Drury's in Drury's mind, I definitely have to sign K. Andre Miller first, which he did. I want to sign Lafreniere, yeah. which we're working on. So that that's like seven million saved there. If he signs Tarasenko, well, then who do you lose? Because someone's got to get traded yeah. because of the cap. Yeah. There's sure. no way around it. So I, I think the numbers game, I think this before the season ended, I think it wasn't in, in the cards for Tarasenko to say as much as I wanted him to and everyone I thought he fit in really well. He was exciting to watch every time he touched the puck and all. But I just, yeah. from the beginning, I think the Tarasenko and the Kane signing, was in Drury's mind. I, I think he personally felt those were the two guys that would get us to the finals. Yeah. I, I don't think Drury thought in, in any rational thought that we would lose to the Devils and, and blow a 2-0 lead to the Devils. So yeah. I, I think he went, yeah. I think he sort of went for it where it was. And, you know, let's remember he was so unhappy with Gallant from way back in November. So I think he was trying to get it done now and then it didn't pan out and after that, you got to sort of take a deep breath and go, all right, well, what's more important? Yeah. Miller definitely signing, he had to do because the guy's just, even though he had a tough seat for his uh, postseason, he, he's going to be, uh, you know, that defenseman that you want. So you sign a 33-year-old Tarasenko again and jeopardize what you can do with, you know, with K. Andre Miller. They, they gave Kendrick Miller more money than they had to, but I think yeah. they were showing him they were showing him, hey, we have faith in you, and we want you here a long time. So, yes, you'll be a restricted free agent again, but we're going to give you a nice contract now, which was the, I think was the right thing to do. So, I agree. I agree. I, I just think that's where it went. You know, no right or wrong. It, it's how it shook out, and you, you just got to go with it. I, you know, he'll do well in Ottawa. Thank God we don't have to see him as often. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, because I'm, I mean, I'm just kind of starting to put together lines in my head, and and I'm thinking that, uh, you know, a Trocheck Kreider Wheeler line would be really good as, uh, you know, a third line. Um, thinking that, uh, you know, just wondering who's thinking that maybe Lafreniere moves up with uh, Zabanajad and Kako, and then you got uh, 
you know, Panarin with uh, Heedle and who. Um, so that's, you know, if it winds up being Wheeler and somebody else's with Trojek, I, I mean, I, I don't know how it's going to all, uh, you know, how the chips are going to fall. But I'm just kind of throwing, um, you yeah, know, some lines in my head. And I'm wondering who's going to be that other right wing, you know? Well, I, I think you're going to have, I mean, I, I was drawing lines on one of the articles I wrote, and just to start, and of course, you bounce down, had Zimbanejad centering, excuse me, Kreider and Kako. I have Heedle okay. on the second line, centering Panarin and Wheeler. And then I got okay. Trocek, Lafreniere, and Goodrow on the third line. All right. Okay. And then I put um, Bonino, centering VC, and Pitlick. Okay. Yeah, that'll work. To, to that'll start. Work. I don't know, you know, something. It's gonna be, it's gonna put a lot of pressure, and he should be up to it now, guys, on Kako. But if he wants that opportunity, this is gonna be the time to take it, you know. Yeah, and I, I agree think, with that. I think, I don't think putting Trocheck on the third line is a bad deal because I think him with Lafreniere and Goudreau is a solid line, mm-hmm. and I think if they produce, they're gonna get their minutes. You know, the top yeah. six is just hard to move around. I, I personally, and people I, I've spoken to, think I'm crazy. I think Heedle deserves the second line spot. I think yeah, over the years, his improvement, the way he looks on the ice, his confidence with and without the puck, his defense. I think he needs to get more minutes, and yeah. I, and I would put him up there. And Wheeler, I have right now in the top six, and, and that could change. But the problem is, if Wheeler isn't in the top six, who takes that spot? Is Goudreau a top six right winger? Lafreniere has got to stay on the left side. So there's nowhere really to move them unless you flip-flop Wheeler and Kako if you have to. And put yeah. Kako back with and, Heedle. And that's not even taken into account what we spoke about at the beginning with Oppmann. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. So, the only, you know, we have the to only thing that's that stopping Oppmann, what's a shame, is Oppmann can make the I, – I think in my heart, Oppmann can make the team, but I don't want to see him on the fourth line. I'd rather no, him play the I'd rather see him play for Hawks yeah. until something comes up because that's just detrimental to his game. Right, right. But I tell you, yeah. these, these guys, you know, if it doesn't work out and, and things do get changed and down the road, you know, he finally goes, okay, I got to trade Lafreniere or maybe I have to move Kako. If you got Offman knocking on the door, how long are you going to leave him down in the AHL? It all depends what he does. We all know once right. you come to the AHL, it's a different – it's not the OHL. It's not the Memorial Cup and the Calder Cup. It, it's it's even harder. But so far, everywhere he's gone, he's ch- accepted the challenge and and went well beyond it. So I'm only yeah. I'm being very optimistic on him. Which you know we were also very optimistic on and, and on Lafreniere. And sometimes it works out, and and sometimes you get you know yeah. Elias Anderson in a in a crap stuff when it doesn't work out. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Osman has a lot of pressure on him, too, because, you know, he's mm-hmm. been in the spotlight now for two, three years already uh, in the OHL with the numbers that he's put up and uh, yeah. the speculation of how great he's going to be. So, you know, he's coming in not under the radar. He's coming in with some pressure on him, but there's going to be a lot of eyes on him to see what he can do. Well, what's really good is he went through something that a lot of minor league players or even NHL players don't go through early on. In the middle of the season, he got traded from Flint to St. Pete's, and then he went and won the Calder Cup. So, right. you know, to me it showed, hey, I can handle whatever he's throw at me 
I'm just going to stay focused on my game. And, and that, mm-hmm. that, to me, was really impressive. Yeah, he didn't win the Memorial Cup, but, you know, that, that's so hard to win that because that's all the champions playing together. So, and, and he still had a great Memorial Cup run. So I, I think he'll definitely take it whenever the time comes that he's wearing a sweater on, at the Garden. I think he'll be up for the challenge and ready for it. And I think, like mm-hmm. I said before about competition, I think he's going to put all the pressure on all these guys right now, knowing someone right almost ready to pick us out, you know. So either play better or Hoffman's going to come in and take your spot. Yeah, nothing else to add to that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not really. The, the only thing is, the only thing is, if I had a wish, it would be that Hoffman was a right wing. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Hey, but that's why that's why a kid like Lafreniere's really got to watch out because it doesn't matter what Drury says now. If, if Lafreniere doesn't produce a little bit more, and you got Hoffman down there on the left side waiting, I because I, I think once you call him up, it's going to be tough to send him down. Yeah. Unless unless he really struggles and and he could, let's be realistic. NHL is faster, they're bigger, they hit harder. Uh, your decision making needs to be faster. So I'm I'm really curious to see how he plays in in regular NHL preseason games and all, just to see what he's got and how he comes out. But if offering if anyone on the team on the left side, obviously Kreider and Panarin are ahead of him. Not Kreider and Panarin. Yeah. He's gonna to have to watch what what the heck's going on because it's it's gonna be a lot of pressure on Lafreniere. He it always turns out, guys, that Lafreniere is the one name that comes up in the trade rumors because the Rangers can move him. And I I, I personally think that if it came between Kako and Lafreniere, I would think Lafreniere would be the one to get traded. And I don't have a reason for that feeling. I'm not gonna lie to you. The Rangers have a little bit more right now today for no other reason than experience that they have a little bit more faith in where Kako is as opposed to where Lafreniere is. And they don't have that many guys they can move. You know, they kept talking about moving Goudreau and moving Goudreau until they got Blake Wheeler. And then they realized, wait a minute, now it sort of, it sort of works keeping Goudreau. So unless the range is totally tanked in the first two months of the season and he has to make a drastic move, Lafreniere's name's going to be mentioned in a lot the whole season, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. That's yeah, I'm true. glad they kept Goudreau. I'm glad they kept Goudreau. I mm-hmm. think he's a guy that uh, that you need. The type of guy yeah, who I agree. plays, uh, yeah. penalties defensively, versatility. Uh, I'm glad they found a way to keep him. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because everyone talks about it. Even Steve and I have spoken about it. You you look for like a player, Goudreau, all through the league when you're talking about – you know, getting into the Stanley Cup playoffs and what he could bring when you're in the playoffs. And now we have a guy like that, and we're like, well, we may have to trade him because of salary. Yeah, you can't, yeah. You can't, you can't replace that. Because if you replace a player at that quality, well, aren't you replacing his salary anyway? Mm-hmm. You're not going to get another player that's as good as Goudreau, but he's only making $2.1 million or something. It doesn't work that way. Right. So where Goudreau's right. salary is, yeah, he might be a little overpriced at three point six. It would have been nice if it was 2.9, but I don't know if they can replace him with a player of his grit, his grind, a previous Stanley Cup champion, two-time champion, I believe. And then you go to the playoffs, and what's the first thing we're going to say on our podcast? Man, I really feel a guy like Goudreau to help in this spot. 
right. good for penalty killing. Or, you know, the last three minutes of the game and you're up a goal and you want to defend. So you, you have to find a way to keep these guys. But the problem is because of all these damn no-move contracts or no-trade contracts, there's only so many guys that you can trade of any value that another team wants. I mean, no yep. one's looking for our fourth-line players, so that's three guys out. Yeah, Trocek's got a no-move clause. Uh, Lafreniere, you can move, or Goodrow, you can move. So it's right back to them, too. Or if you yep. throw Kako into the mix. So, he, right. you know, Drury's doing some great things, but he also really has his hands tied. He he really inherited he inherited a bad, a bad salary cap team. Next year, it should get better. You get $5 million free, and now you can sign another top six guy without really hurting your team. So yep. we'll just have to wait and see, you know, as the progress, what, what the hell's going on and what he needs to do. Right on, right on. I mean, I have nothing else to add to that. I mean, we get through the salary cap situation <laughs> every year. I mean, it's the same, um, you know, situation when we have we were low strapped on cash. We went through this last the last couple of seasons, so they'll find a way. They had, they've done it uh, the last couple of mm-hmm. seasons. We'll do it again this year. That's so, right. No issues with that. So yeah. Uh, anything else, RP? Final thoughts before you got to go? I know you got to go. And no, um, just just keep keep uh. Reading my articles on Empire Sports Media, I've been trying to write as much as I can with the hey. little info that I have. <laughs> well, one more thing, we right. didn't get to yeah. one, one, one point from your uh, your page from Ranger Proud. Um, you want to expand on the uh, you know the affiliate with the uh, with Cincinnati uh, with the Rangers? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. They're, so the Rangers are no longer their ECHL affiliate. It's now going to be the uh, the Cincinnati Cyclones, who've been in the ECHL for years. It was, uh, they, I guess they stepped away. I think their last ECA show team was, I forgot who they were. Uh, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, most of the time, the ECHL team does more business with the Hartford Wolfpack than with the Rangers, but they mm-hmm. are now a, a Rangers affiliate. Um, I, I think it's good for them. They're, they're excited about it. Sometimes uh, you read, you know, Hartford's loan the player to the ECH. That would be the Cyclones or vice versa. If they have a player who is uh, who's ready to step up from that level to the American Hockey League, that's where you'll see their plays. If someone gets hurt, the Wolfpack will go down to the ECHL and bring a player up. So mm-hmm. um, they'll be they they are considered the development club for the Hartford Wolfpack. But it's uh, they are uh, they're a pretty successful ECHL team since 2006 and seven. 28 of their players have made it all the way up to the National Hockey League. Mm. So, you know, you want to read that because that means they know what they're doing down there to, to keep those that quality of, of hockey to come all the way up. They've won their Kelly Cup championship twice in 2008 and 2010. They've been in the playoffs the last 11 out of the 15 seasons. And last year they had 47 wins and 103 points. So, uh, you know, they have... Uh, a good winning formula down there. I think it's beneficial for the Wolfpack and in the end for the whole Ranger organization. So um, they were pretty damn excited about it. Formerly they were with the Buffalo Sabres and uh, there it was. And the Rangers were uh, ECHL team before this was uh, the Jacksonville Icemen for the last two seasons. So hopefully this all turns around, you know, you may not see some of those plays or know where they're coming from. 
but we might see one of them up at Hartford or even up at the Rangers in the next couple of seasons. All right, great information, man. Thank you very much, Mr. Ranger Proud. And um, we'll, 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 uh, we'll double back uh, in two weeks, uh, get to some more Blue Shirts news. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'll go ahead. If anything else around the NHL, your thoughts? Um, you you kind of touched on the Bruins situation. Uh, anything else you'd like to add from the rest of the league? I had some thoughts as well I wrote for this episode, but uh, – you know, ahead, I, you know, honestly, Steve, I mean, I, I've looked at a lot of the signings and the players coming and going from certain teams, but I haven't really had time to look at, you know, every individual team. I'm hoping that, uh, you mm-hmm. know, in the next six weeks or eight weeks before the season starts, I don't know if you're going to have that format where we go through, uh, uh, we spend some time on each division, uh, and I'm going to try to well, get my information up on that. Um, oh yeah, I mean we so, kind of uh, we're kind of freestyling. Like we just kind of randomly okay. picked. Like I kind of had a topic. Well, not even call it a topic. I wrote one topic from more of a, a fan perspective, like with the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I just I like look at yeah. it tomorrow. I mean, we could do it like that if you guys want to come on in two weeks. And you want to hey, up to take you. a crop of teams? And no, no, I'm I'm telling you guys, like it's, it's whatever. I mean, we could like you could be like, hey, you know, this is my thoughts on San Jose, you know. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's dissect the Sharks, you know. Um, I, it doesn't matter. Or if you want to tackle a whole a, a good crop of teams within the division, I'm cool with that as well. I, I'm, I'm I'm game. When I say around the NHL, it could be anything, like outside of the blue shirt. Yeah, no, I mm-hmm. I understand. No, I'm gonna start boning up on, uh, you know, now that uh, you know we kind of have a good idea of, of of what some of the rosters are gonna be around the league. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start taking a look at that and be ready to uh, you know address some yeah. of that in the coming weeks uh, between now and opening night. So let me ask you this around the NHL. Let me focus on the Kraken mm-hmm. real quick. The Kraken. Okay. Okay. Who are they? This past season, are they who we think they are, or, or are they who they were this past season? Are they going to improve? Uh, their play, they had an excellent year in year number two. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Kraken? Are they going to even any up and get be closer to the dominance, let's say, of a, a, a peaking or what was a peak Colorado Avalanche team from two seasons ago or how dominant the Golden Knights were this past season uh, in the Pacific? Like, well, how, do you, how do you measure? See, I can't read what Seattle – I don't know. I look at – the NHL is so tricky. It's literally a gamble. How do you look at the Kraken? You know, I think they're I think they're a good team. I don't think last year was a fluke. Uh, I think they're yeah. a team, especially with, um, you know, some of the weaker teams in, in the Western Conference. Uh, I, I think they uh, certainly can make the playoffs again. Uh, they didn't uh, – as far as I'm just looking at them now, it doesn't seem like they lost anybody – uh, of any real importance uh, as far as free agency goes. Uh, they brought in uh, Brian Dumoulin, who's uh, mm-hmm, you know right. a, a decent defenseman, a lot of years in Pittsburgh. Um, they also brought in Yamamoto from uh, Edmonton, who I always thought was going to be better than he, he was, so maybe he's going to get a little more of a chance in Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. I think Haxtell's done a, a great job with them out there. Um, you know, I think their goaltending is, is uh, solid. Um, so, you know, I'll look into them a little bit more and we'll talk about them, but off the top of my head, uh, I don't think last year was a fluke for them. I think they're going to be good again this year. Yeah, they, they, um, I would call it, you know what, 
they kind of surprised me a little bit because remember they had that crazy win streak at one point last mm-hmm. season, or, or right, and it, right. Uh, well the goal the high goal scoring, and they're really a very balanced team. We look at them roster to roster, you know, with uh, Yanni Gord from um, Tampa Bay. I mean, they all came from different teams, obviously, right? But they the balance on that team was so. I remember even being at that game. I was out there um, when. Because you know when the Giants were at the Seahawks and I was at the uh, Crack in Pittsburgh game, that was a fun game. And the way they put it on Pittsburgh in the, in the, from the second period on, but the, little did I know they were going to go on a score and say later on in the season that year. You no, know, I you know it's really interesting because they why not them? And then I'm thinking what Colorado could do to come back from. Somewhat of, you know, they had a lot of injuries last year, and they dominated so much the year they won the Cup uh, the season before. I, I expect that's going to be an interesting or – like guys like you and me, we're not – we kind of understand that that's going to be a very good rivalry out west. I'm not exactly sure if the east is going to be really all up on that. Like the everyday hockey fan is really – you know, hockey is really caught on in Seattle – uh, has really supported that franchise. I see a lot of wars with the Avalanche in particular. Yeah, I really yeah. do. Um, well, you know the, they, thing, they had, the thing about the thing about thing about a team like Seattle is, you know, it's great to see guys uh, perform better than expected. I'll say um, that were kind of like you know, second, third line guys on other teams. Um, mm-hmm. And you see when they, when they get a chance, when they're given an opportunity, uh, they're actually pretty damn good players. Uh, you know, McCann scored 30-something goals last year. He was kind of, you know, a, a, mm-hmm. a third line guy, maybe second line guy sometimes in Pittsburgh. Uh, Yanni Gord, who, who you mentioned. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that, you know, like you said, they got a fan base. And I'm kind of thinking through the season, yeah, they had that good stretch of scoring, but uh, even in the playoffs, as far as they got, I don't remember ever thinking, wow, this team is lucky. Um, I, I always felt more like, wow, this team is better than I thought. And, right, and you're right, right I'm surprised. Right. I'm surprised by, you know, how well they did last year, but I never got the feeling, wow, this team has really, you know, got a lot of luck. Um, I, I always felt like they were competitive you know, every game, and I watched, uh, you know, a lot of them, uh, you know, later night games, West Coast games, they were always competitive. They always played hard, and they had guys that were kind of supplemental players on other team who really stepped up uh, when they got a chance to play on Seattle. So uh, that's kind of why I'm kind of forming a basis that, you know, I think they're they're a good team, and I still think they're going to be, um, you know, uh, competitive in that in that conference. Now, do I think they're going to win the Cup? No, I don't think they're that good yet. But well, oh yeah, um, what's their ceiling? They're a good, the fun, competitive what's, team. What's their ceiling? What do you think their ceiling is? Yeah, maybe they maybe they win around again next year. Uh, maybe they come in the top three in their in their division. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I mean, they they probably that that's what I would say. I mean, they're probably a a team that's going to make the playoffs and maybe win around get to the second round again. Because they they faced uh, Dallas, where Dallas was one of right. kind of like a team that went on a roll later in the year, and right. they got through Minnesota, and they had a 
a long series with Seattle. So that's what I'm trying to trying to play out. See, I got to see the Dallas roster too, so I can really. It's really hard because this, this, this like I said, this sport is really unpredictable. <laughs> you think they're going to be good? They're yeah. going to be average. <laughs> yeah. When you're just looking at, we got to look like, at rosters now and see, you know, who left, who yeah. came in, and kind of get a feel for not only, you know like you say, Seattle, but the other teams, the teams that they're going to be competing with, where they stand now, too. So uh, I'm actually looking forward to doing a little homework on that in the next few weeks. Yeah, so that, that's, that's, that's what I was looking at. Because Colorado, I expect them to come back, man. Like Especially they yeah. never really was out of the fold. And the injuries that bit them early in the year, they for whatever reason, they, they found themselves really – back in the division race competing, but Seattle yeah. handled them. Seattle handled them pretty well. Yep. That was, yep. that, was, well, that first round win. I'm glad. Losing Landis Gog really hurt for the, for the whole year. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I think they were expecting him to come back at some point and, you know, he never was able to McKinnon was out for a little while, uh, right. but that team has so much talent. Uh, so I, I don't see how, how they can't come back and be a, a force again. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they they had a rough first half of the year. I mean, they were out of the playoffs for a lot of the first half of the year. And then they kind of looked like themselves again. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of every time you look at the standings, they had moved up a notch. Uh, but uh, they have so much talent that you got to figure they're going to become a force again this year. Yeah, I'm looking at somebody like them. <sighs> I'm not sure about the maybe the champs. I mean, we kind of gave them the, the we kind of gave them the side eye. You, Scott, and myself to the degree as far as the Golden Knights. Look at that, they went to, they went to Stanley Cup. We're like, oh no, they're not the Golden Knights, right? But see, you know, at, they're a team. Uh-huh. But they're a team as opposed to Seattle, where you know I I think they were a good team, but I think they got pretty lucky. They won a Stanley Cup with Aiden Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would mean, you have ever expected that to happen? Um, you know, no, to no. me, that's kind of – I wouldn't expect that again. <laughs> well, that was the point. Uh, Shout-out to Carl, by the way. Happy birthday. Today's Carl's birthday. Shout-out to him. Happy birthday to Carl. Ah, but he kind of brought up – Well, he, remember, he's – we give him credit because he put it out there often. Like, you could – if you have a, a, a team, a well-balanced team with average goaltender who could get hot, kind of like with Colorado, they were Kemper, you know, you could roll the dice and, and afford to do that. And – with Gorkiov with the Colorado Avalanche, who has shown some good spots. But like you said, the top guns were injured early in the year, especially Landon Scott, who's out a lot of the year. You know what I'm saying? So that yeah. formula where it's not Dominic Hasek or Martin Brewer or Patrick Raw, like those days, even, you know, with our own team, you know, we've had some great run of goaltenders. But if you could – today's NHL, you have a, you know, high-quality four lines – and you can roll the dice with a goaltender. You don't have to overpay. And he gets hot. That's, you could win with a formula like that. Carl made that is a, made a great point with that. Yep. I can't really debate that. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's the way to go. Stack up with your offense. We'll outscore you. And um, maybe you have to play a little bit of defense. You've got to have an all, you know, a defenseman like Cole McCarr uh, for Colorado that is all world when it comes to that. Uh, but I, I think Seattle's in that that direction because I can't think. Okay, I'm looking at the West or thinking in the West in my head. And I'm like, okay, Vegas goes tonight. I'm not gonna. Let's say they're in the mix. Maybe they'll have a letdown. Maybe we'll get some injuries like Colorado. Like, what, what about Edmonton? Is that 
where are they? You know, we'll we'll, we'll put. I'll, I'll use them at last. I mean, we'll get to some other teams next time. But Edmonton, what about them? I mean, like well, we've seen, you know, the story with them before. They they handled the Kings, went to the next round versus Vegas Golden Knights, right? And then it's just Golden Knights just outclassed them, right? It's like how do they make up or get to that next level? Especially we know we talk about McDavid, the All World player. Uh, Drysaddle is also, um, yeah, I mean, they're really a big top-heavy scoring team. And after that, uh, it kind of takes a big dip. How do they fix that? Well, I mean, I think the 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 issue with them has always been kind of the supporting cast and the goaltending, mm-hmm. uh, and a little bit of the defense as well. I mean, you know, they've got the best player in the league, and arguably the second best player in the league. Um, and, uh, you know, they can just pound you to death. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's always the, the supporting the, the bottom six has always been a little weak and, uh, and the goaltending. Now I, I think that picking up Connor Brown is a great pickup for them. Uh, I think he's a guy that they need. Uh, I saw they always, they also picked up, uh, Drake Kajula who, who, I mean, these are the kind of guys that I think Edmonton needs to, um, you know, in, improve. Uh, on their their overall play, uh, so you know, I, I mean, I think they're trying to do what they need to do. Again, they didn't really lose anybody that uh, uh, you know was particularly important. I'm looking at their uh, uh, signed free agents and free agents that left, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I think uh, I think again that that team is just they're, they're just so disappointing because you know you would think a team with arguably the two best players in the league. Uh, would be able to uh, have more success than they've had. Now they went a little further than uh, they have in the past uh, uh, decade or so last year. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, I mean, I think goaltending for them is a question and uh, you know, their defense kind of always has been a little bit of a question. So they need to shore that up. But um, uh, yeah, you know, again, a, a team with a team with those two guys, dry and, and McDavid and uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a, a terrific year last year as well. Um, you know, that team's going to score a lot of goals and win a lot of games. But, you know, when it comes down to the playoffs, they just seem to come up a little short. It, well, especially, well, Vegas smothered them, especially two of those role games in, in, in Edmonton. Yeah. Getting out to, what, 3 nothing leads? And then they just yeah. never yep. recovered. Um, it yeah. hasn't really fun. You know, Edmonton really hasn't really been a bad team behind in games, they've shown the ability over the several years to make, you know, comebacks. But Vegas had their number. It was really – the way that Vegas dominated, you know, I'm not too surprised because they did that after game one versus Winnipeg, where Winnipeg kind of stole game one. But Vegas just said, all right, enough playing with these guys. All right. And they kind of yeah. did the same thing with Edmonton. Because after – once you get – see. We'll probably have to do this in two weeks because we're not going to have enough time. Like the LA Kings, to me, when I look at them and the pieces that they brought in over the last couple of years, and then they they've having this wall against Edmonton. It's almost like there's levels to this. Okay, LA's having trouble with the Oilers, and the Oilers, okay, you know, yeah. they've gone round by round. You know, they go to like six, seven game classes, you know, classes with them, overtime games, and then Vegas. They got up to these early – but, you know, to be fair, Vegas did the same thing to Dallas. 
because of these big yeah. leads early and it was a wrap. So yep. they they were on yep. their game, especially with uh, Ike came back. I mean, that was a time. Remember, we were talking about that. Was he worth the trade? And obviously, it paid off dividends for the Golden Knights because they ended up he helped contribute to a Stanley Cup. I remember, like a lot of us wanted, well, a lot of Rangers fans wanted Ike, but they weren't trying to touch that the the, the dollars on that, that contract. Right, and and you know, like mm-hmm. you said, I mean, one of the one of the uh, uh, things that Vegas did last year in the playoffs is they jumped on teams in the first period. Uh, they sure did. Uh, I remember in, 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 in all of those series, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they were up 2 nothing, 3 nothing in the first period. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, that's not easy to come back, especially in the playoffs from, from that. So uh, they did a great job, uh, you know, coming out strong right out of the gate in, in the entire playoff run. And I think that had a lot to do with their success too because, um, you know, once you get that couple-of-goal lead, um, you know, not too early, but you know, you you don't have to take as many chances, and you can uh, try and shut down the other team as much as you can. And uh, I think they did a great job of that, especially with uh, you know a, a guy like Aiden Hill and Gold. And uh, I think they recognized that that was how they needed to play, and uh, you know it brought them all the way to the Stanley Cup. So um, you know, I think you're right about them, and and you're also right about what you said. It seems like every team in the West has trouble with some other team it's like uh <laughs> you know you know i mean this team can't be that team but they dominate no. this other team and you know so you're right i mean it just seems like it's it's funny out there where uh teams for for whatever reason uh seem like they have the upper hand or they're in the in the heads of of, of other teams but um uh yeah i i think that's uh uh edmonton's problem that uh you know they uh they uh, they just you know their goaltending is is a little sketchy, uh, always has been. I mean that's the one thing that they have never really been able to uh, uh, be strong on, like some other teams in the league. Um, but uh, you know I still expect them to be good. I I wasn't surprised that they had the success they did in the regular season last year, and uh, you know I expect them to be real good again. And you know uh, the answer again will come in uh, in uh, April and May and June if they can. Uh, Get over that hump. I, I don't see. That's the thing, Glenn. I think we're in agreement. I don't. I mean, unless I got to see more of their defense yeah. to be better. You know, we talk about their offense, and it's really top heavy. But the defense and the goaltender was more of the issue than anything. And if they could shore yeah. that up, then I would probably buy some Edmund Oilers stock. But my problem also with them, what you're saying, they are not a very dominant home. That's a, what I've seen. Not a dominant home team in the playoffs the last couple yeah. of years. Like I see, like yeah. the Kings. Remember the Kings came back on them. I can't remember. Was it game one or was it? Yeah, I think it was game one or game two. One of those first two games, that first leg, and the LA Kings were dead, and they came back and forced it overtime and won the game. Um, they can't. That can't be happening. For a team that's trying to go to the next level, even though they got past them, like, but that should they should not have gone that route to beat LA. Um, mm-hmm. I, and, and until I actually see that, Glenn, and I got to look at the roster and pr- kind of see what their final roster will be after the deadline. If they learn from those mistakes, man, because these teams, like these teams, are going into their building, and I would 
say they have a great home crowd like them, Winnipeg, uh, the Rangers, of course, you know, not to be biased, but the playoff time, the, the, the guard gets loud. And, you you know, you've been there, of course, yeah. through your history. Yep. Fan. But as far as, like, you look at it, like, man, look at the happy thing, how everybody's in those orange and blue jerseys. It could be all orange. I mean, they're in unison, kind of like with Winnipeg. Like, those are great home crowds. Seattle had a great home crowd this year, too. Um, but... And don't I don't? It's like teams don't fear going into um, is it Rogers Arena out there? They, they don't fear them. I don't. I don't see it. No. No, and and you know back back in the day, Steve. I mean, the better teams in the league, uh, they lose you know three, four, five games home all year, uh, kind of like Boston right. did this year. Um, it's not like that anymore. I mean, there were a lot of. A lot of arenas that were the older arenas, like Chicago Stadium and, mm-hmm. and the Forum and, and even the Old Garden, uh, that were very intimidating for other yeah. teams. And it's See, not real like fans, that anymore. Real fans like you ain't in the building. Real fans like you are not in the building. <laughs> real fans yeah, like you are exactly. not in the building. Exactly, and that's part of the intimidation. You're right. I mean, a lot of the people are, you know, drinking uh, martinis and eating sushi and uh, in a restaurant or something <laughs> rather than uh, in the – in the, in the stands screaming their head off, you know? <laughs> That's um, a good point. That, that, Glenn, that is a good point. Think about it. Like, if you are yeah. an opposing player going to the team and, you, and you're like the, the old school fan, like Glenn from the 80s and the 90s, and, you know, yeah. out there and, and they're loud and boisterous and, and it's you in like it's an older building and kind of be more intimidating where a lot of these newer arenas got great uh, 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 screens like the TV screens, the uh, monitors, yep. uh, the sound system is, is clear, and everybody's eating sushi, and you know it's like real proper, isn't? It? I mean, don't get it wrong, they oh. cheering it loud, but they're not like the old school fans, and like those players are not intimidated going to nice arenas. It's not like they're no, like said, they're not going into the like like Quebec back in the day or old Chicago Stadium, no. point. or 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 Joe yeah, Louis, no. you know, like like in Detroit. Nothing. Yeah, no, it's just, you know, a lot of these arenas now, I mean, I haven't been to a lot of them, but you see them on TV. I mean, they're beautiful. Yeah. They, they are. <laughs> um, but, but, but they're not, they're, they're not, you know, those old, the old barns where, you know, it was right. just kind of wild the, the whole game long. Uh, so, uh, you know, there isn't that. Now, now I, I went to a game in Edmonton, a uh, Ranger game in Edmonton, uh, a long time ago. I think it was around 96 maybe or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the fans, they were great. They were very supportive. They were loud. They were nice. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, they were one of the nicest groups of, of fans in any opposing arena I went to. Very friendly, talking hockey, talking the old days of, of Edmonton. Um, you know, so it, they do have a, a very, very supportive fan base. Uh, but, uh, you know, that doesn't always win games. They're 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 – they're loud and they're nice, but they're polite. They're almost like you know St. Louis Cardinal fans. Hey man, and, uh, like what, when you baseball. when you have Hall of Famers up and down your lineup in the '80s with Messier and Gretzky, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's easy to be it's easy to be nice. You're right. You got That's Hall of Famers all over the ice. It's easy. You know what I'm saying? You can you can easy to. Sit back and just relax and chill, man. Oh, hey, fun books, yeah, man. exactly. They got, uh, they got a replica Stanley Cup ring on every finger, and now uh, you know while they're talking to you and all that. You know, you're right. You're right. They could be in a good mood. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they had they had enough um, Stanley Cup equity. We could put it like that. Went ring after ring, like they just. Oh, you know. could you imagine? I mean, and look, we'll, we'll, look yeah. at how much 
look at how much we'd still get out of 94. Mm-hmm, Could you mm-hmm. imagine having five cups in seven years? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was that. That was a, you know add this to your final thought because I actually had that as my um one of my questions like would how because I'm seeing like as if Blackhawk fans on social media as if that's a bad thing like they like in, if you look at it from a window of the last I don't know twelve thirteen years you know you know multiple you know yeah cups you know you didn't have like a dynasty but you won. But I know right. they're going through, you know, the number one draft pick, and and your guys like Chase and Kane came to the Rangers through a trade, and but even before that, Duncan Keith was, you know, went to the uh, to the Oilers. I mean, you had yep. a hell of a run early in the 2000s. Oh. That's not too long ago when you look at it, as you, like you said, like the Rangers, or look at the poor Maple Leafs. You know, even though they finally got past the first round, yeah. like, when was it? Sixty? I was even born. Sixty-six. Who could? Whatever that who, year was. Who could believe? Who could believe we went 54 years and now the Toronto Maple Leafs have gone 55? Right. Who would ever believe that? Who would yeah, ever I mean, believe that? If you're a Blackhawk fan, why be salty? You won multiple cups this century. I, I don't understand it. Well, I don't. I, I think that's Chicago as much as, uh, you know, anything else. I mean, I think that's just Chicago. Um, you know, I mean, they – they had a pretty good run there between the Bulls and the, and the, and then the Blackhawks a little bit later, so mm-hmm. I think that's just uh, Chicago, you know. But I mean, that's another arena that you know from the from the uh, uh, national anthem on, uh, they <laughs> blow the roof off the place in in Chicago Stadium. Yeah, I went to true. one game there, and man, believe me, it it was an event uh, watching a game in Chicago Stadium. Uh, but you're right. I mean, they had. Uh, you know, they had those three cups in, what, five or six years with a uh, a star-studded lineup that was on national TV every week, and everybody knew the names and uh, and all that. And, uh, you know, but actually, you look at that team, too. I mean, they, they won they won cups with, you know, kind of mediocre to, to good goaltending. Um, you know, they didn't have the best goaltenders when they won those cups. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean – they won three cups in five or six years. If the Rangers won three cups in the next five or six years, I, I think I'll be pretty happy for a while. I don't think absolutely. Uh, I don't think I'll be upset with that. <laughs> <laughs> not, <laughs> not at all. Any final thoughts, man? And then we'll wrap it up. We'll be back in two weeks. Your thoughts? No, I mean, you know, the one team that we didn't get to, maybe we can get to the next time we're on is Calgary. Sure. I'm interested to see what uh, I'm interested to see what happens there. I I, I uh, do too. You know, I thought they did well. In that in that Kachuk trade, uh, getting Huberto, who just had a horrendous season uh, for mm-hmm. them, and uh, you know it would kind of be interesting to see what uh, direction they go. I mean, I, I'm seeing you know still rumors about you know Lindholm and some of the other guys out there if they're going to tear it down and start over or what they're going to do. So maybe next time we can uh, ring up Calgary and see uh, you know what we think is going to go on there because they're a team that really disappointed me last year. I mean, with the year they had the year before, um, right. I was really surprised how they fell off the cliff. And, you know, they got Markstrom, who's, you know, still to me one of the real good goalies in the league. And, uh, you know, they just had a super disappointing season. So uh, that would be my final thought that we can kind of bridge into into next podcast. Yeah, I'm writing that down. Yeah, we got to look at the Calgary Flames because um... – you know, that trade with Huberto and Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk, like, it, especially the run the Panthers went on, it looks like, as of right now, the short stock on the, the Panthers, like, wow, man, you you really cashed in on that. You It looks like almost a fleece. Yeah. 
through yeah. <laughs> police at this oh, point. Oh, it was a robbery. It was a robbery <laughs> to go by last year. Right, it really was. Right. Yeah, especially and like I you said. I remember when yeah. we talked about it, when it happened, we were both kind of, well, you know, this is probably good for both teams. I think both teams are going to make out on this. And uh, obviously it was uh, Florida who made out much, much better. Yeah, yeah, the, the historic upset, too, really boosted their stock uh, in the Panthers. Yeah, we got to look into Calgary. That's a good one. That's that's definitely a good one because the, they went from two seasons ago, the you know, the anticipated series of Alberta with Edmonton mm-hmm. versus to where they are now, you know, losing, you know, the guys that, you know, on the roster, uh, the, you know, the core of that roster. Yeah, let's look into the Calgary. Yep. That's, I think that's a fair. And then we can talk about whatever else around the NHL and get into some more Blue Shirts news of who knows what's going to happen with our team with the salary cap or the limited monies. And, you know, what? if you have a chance, uh, sent it to UNRP with the uh, that puck chart zone with the puck possessions. Uh, if guys, yeah, like, I'll I'm gonna deep, deep down to more data on it comes because I find it interesting because it feels when I'm watching as a fan, uh, uh, Glenn, it feels like the Rangers struggled with a lot of the puck possession. Maybe because it's the bonehead, we watch shift to shift every little play, but maybe we weren't as bad as all these other teams according to the data. You know, I don't see every shift of every team in, in the 82 games. Uh, you know, yeah. so it's, it's to be fair, man. All right, we'll bring that up. I do remember hearing anecdotally that the Rangers weren't that bad as far as some of the analytics, but, uh, you know, the, the other thing is if you are bad in a couple of those statistics, uh, when you yeah. got a guy like Igor in the crease, they can uh, kind of, you know, make that not as important as it might be for some other teams. Well, yeah, you know, because I guess, you know, I see RP on Twitter, and when we make, when, when the team makes bonehead stupid passes, it does kind of turn into World War Three almost. Like, it is blown yeah. up. <laughs> so you, you're watching the game, yeah. right? And then you, you get the tweets. I mean, you could see 100, 200, you know, just comments. Oh, man, this team sucks. You know, this team sucks. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're, going, we're yeah. never going nowhere. I mean, it kind of sours me. Like, damn, man, maybe, maybe it has you sucking out. Like, man, I know it was one bad pass, but God damn, you know, I don't know if we're going to have to – Fold the season off of this, you know, the way we go on yeah. social media about this. Sometimes, I gotta stay off of that sometimes, have, right? sometimes fans have a hard time looking at the big picture. They kind of, you know, uh, you know, it's either a disaster or uh, we're winning the cup uh, game by game, and uh, you can't go by that all the time. Right, right. All right, cool, man. We'll we'll definitely uh, talk about that in two weeks with the Calgary Flames around the NHL and then more stuff with the Blue Shirts. I actually. Uh, we'll we'll pick uh, pick your brain on other stuff around the the, the blue shirts. Uh, we kind of talked about most of it. I want to I want to do a deep dive more with Zabenizad, but we'll we'll talk about that in two weeks. I want to get you guys Sounds thoughts good. on how much Sounds of good. an ROI you talk about trade ROI on a trade with him and Broussard, man. You talking about but how Ooh. how much can we ride that wave? We'll we'll talk about that in two. Weeks. Well, you know what you know you could add in there too uh, when you talk about uh, trades like that. In the next couple of weeks, look into uh, all the the branches of the Rick Nash trade. Okay, yeah, let's do that. I read something about that recently. About uh, there was something recently on uh, on one website uh, that kind of explored all the the branches and transactions that came out of the. uh, Rick Nash trade, and it was very interesting. I'll see if I can find it, and I'll send it to you. All right, cool. Man, man, we'll, let's do that. We'll talk about that in two weeks. So shout-out to Glenn good. and RP, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitch, iHeartRadio. Uh, good episode. Uh, Heavy Rangers and, yep. and uh, through the uh, 
smaller circuits, ECHL with the Cyclones, uh, uh, with the now with the Blue Shirts and Brendan Altman, and of course the Lafreniere situation. Why Rangers? Why should they give up leverage? They shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. position. They can't. Right. <laughs> exactly. Sangers, ladies and gentlemen, bleed blue. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? 